Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saving Minds, the podcast that brings you the best of what's happening in the search for treatments for Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and ALS. I'm Shanti Skiffington, and I'll be co-hosting this podcast with my colleague, Dr. Elliot Goldstein. So for our first podcast, I'm going to speak with Elliot so that our listeners can get a feel for what's happening right now in the search for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, Treatment has been a long, expensive, disappointing journey. So Elliot, welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. Elliot, maybe we could set the groundwork just by sharing with us a little bit about the Alzheimer's public health crisis and the impact that it's having globally. Yes, this is really the the heart of what we need to address. Uh, Alzheimer's disease uh, affects over 47 million individuals worldwide. Uh, Recently, the Alzheimer's Association of the United States estimated that the total medical costs, indirect and direct medical costs um, in the United States were over 500 billion that's B, billion with a B, $500 billion. And that's expected to triple to well over a trillion dollars over the coming decade or two due to the expanding number of baby boomers and uh, greater longevity. So this is really an epidemic that will bankrupt our healthcare systems uh, if we can't address it and attack the underlying cause of the disease. And all of these neurodegenerative diseases, Alzheimer's in particular, is due to the death, the dying of neurons in the brain. That's what we need to address. So speaking to Alzheimer's disease in particular, I was reading recently that of the top 10 causes of death in the United States, Alzheimer's disease was the only that had no treatment. Uh, researchers have been searching for decades for a treatment and they haven't been successful in identifying a treatment that modifies the disease or stops the progression of disease. Can you summarize what's been happening and why this disease has been so elusive for researchers? Well, I can certainly try and shed some light on it, of course. Um, Well, first of all, all chronic diseases like cancers, autoimmune diseases like severe rheumatoid arthritis, they all have the same sort of progression where we, you know, we go from sort of broad failures because the mechanisms aren't poorly understood to products that are starting to look promising to products that really make a difference. And that, that sort of progression takes at least a decade, if not two, of clinical trials and science. So, so let's look at Alzheimer's disease. Um, over the last two decades or so, there have been numerous clinical trial failures, which has been disappointing, of course but we've learned from these and the concomitant scientific research at the same time. And we've learned in particular what our drugs should target and what certainly what not to target. In other words, we have a much deeper understanding today of why the trials have failed and what we need to do to improve our chances of a successful outcome. And importantly, as you said at the beginning of your question, Shanti, These are the only chronic diseases, these neurodegenerative diseases, where there's absolutely no treatment, no treatment for the underlying cause of the disease, but only weak, very weak symptomatic therapies existing today, which offer short-term relief for maybe six or nine months. So it's absolutely imperative 
that we develop programs, we develop therapeutics that target the underlying root cause to stop the killing of neurons. That's our primary mission. So as you've said, there, there's been a lot of science, uh, a lot of time and effort has gone into trying to understand these diseases, and this is part of science. Uh, but we have learned a lot from these failures, and we, the scientific community has been able to zero in on at least one root cause, and that is the toxic oligomer of a naturally occurring protein. Can you, can you tell us about this? Sure. And this has really been sort of the fundamental learning and discovery, if you like, over the last two decades. Um, originally, it was felt when the early products were developed that it was plaque, you know, plaque of amyloid beta that was causing the uh, choking neurons, if you like, and causing their death. We know that this is not true. We've learned from the clinical studies what not to target. Plaque is an inert, non-toxic form of amyloid beta. Conversely, these small clumps called oligomers made up of 2, 4, 12 strands of amyloid beta have a propensity to misfold and these oligomers become highly toxic and kill neurons. We've learned from the clinical trials that these toxic oligomers are the right target, if you like, and we've also learned from out outstanding scientific experimentation. So for example, if you put toxic oligomers in growing human neurons in the lab, we can grow human neurons in the lab in, in Petri dishes. If you put toxic oligomers into these normally growing neurons, it'll kill them in six hours. Whereas if you put the non-toxic forms of the protein in, such as plaque, nothing happens for 24 hours. Those neurons are perfectly happy, if you like, and progress normally. So a lot of the, I'm just summarizing, obviously, a, a few sort of seminal observations. The bottom line here is we have learned from the clinical trials what targets to avoid, what forms of protein are absolutely normal and don't contribute to the death of neurons, and targeting those is just a waste of ammunition. I think we might talk about that a little later on in this podcast, whereas targeting the toxic oligomers that we now know kill neurons is the right approach. We need products and drugs that selectively target these bad actors, if you like, these toxic oligomers, and don't engage or target the normal forms of the protein. Well, in this learning, uh, while valuable, is fairly recent uh, because the Alzheimer's community had another big disappointment at the beginning of 2019 when Roche and AC Immune canceled their two phase three studies of cronezumab, which was one of the drugs that was going to be a disease modifying therapy and was looking, you know, fairly near term. So this was very disappointing. And people are trying to understand why. Certainly many were not surprised. And I think you weren't surprised either. Can you can you tell us more about this? The, yeah. Um, not that we can read the crystal ball and predict the future, of course, but we made you know, an educated assessment along with others, you know, experts in the field that cronezumab um, had very little chance of success. And very simply put, it's not selective enough for the toxic oligomer. It's not highly selective. It binds, cronezumab binds all forms of amyloid beta. So the normal plaque forms and the normal single-stranded monomer forms. So all the normal forms, it does show some binding uh, to the toxic oligomer 
but much of the product is just wasted, if you like, is wasted ammunition on these non-toxic forms, on these forms of amyloid beta-like plaque that we now know today, we've learned from clinical trials, as I mentioned, and we've learned from scientific experimentation, is not the bad actor form of the protein, is not toxic. It's these misfolded toxic oligomers, small clumps. So unfortunately, uh, for the field, if you like, and for uh, the developers of Crenezumab, its chances of success were extremely slim, in our opinion, again, because it didn't selectively or it wasn't selective enough, it wasn't exquisitely selective for the toxic oligomer that we now is a root cause, a root driver of death of neurons. So thousands of researchers around the globe are working ardently toward some kind of therapy for Alzheimer's. I think everyone in industry believes that we need new approaches to get us some disease-modifying therapies. Tell us, in spite of the disappointing news about Roche, tell us what what positive things are happening in Alzheimer's disease? Yes, uh, and this is important, uh, you know, to, to, to keep the hope alive because there really is great progress recently in light at the end of the tunnel. So I'd like to talk about two things. First, hundreds of studies and an emerging broad consensus in the scientific community point the finger at the toxic oligomer as a common root cause of many neurodegenerative diseases, in particular Alzheimer's disease. So we know what to target. That's one of the things we've learned and learned very clearly from all the scientific experimentation of failed clinical studies. What we need now are new techniques to create antibodies that are selective, highly selective for this uh, toxic oligomer. So unfortunately, the current uh, traditional techniques, uh, physical techniques for understanding, sort of visualizing and understanding the structure of large molecules like these toxic oligomers, they just don't work. They can't work because these toxic oligomers are unstructured and floppy, very difficult to deal with. Well, fortunately, there are new techniques now being used, and we have one at, at, at Promise, uh, the proprietary, unique approach that allows us to visualize, to locate exactly the place where these proteins, where these oligomers misfold and create toxicity, and how to visualize also the shape of this misfolding. We can make antibodies highly selective against this. So there are techniques emerging, and we have, we believe, a very powerful one that allows us to create antibodies that are selective, uniquely selective for the toxic oligomer. That's the toxic driver that's killing neurons in Alzheimer's disease. So we, we need new techniques because the current methods to make antibodies simply can't selectively target the toxic oligomer. But some have said that perhaps if Roche had had better predictive technology to understand better if their candidate was working early on, that that you know, would have avoided this stage three, you know, late stage failure. Tell us about biomarker development, because I know the FDA has said that this is an urgent need for Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, absolutely. The, the FDA and other regulatory authorities are pushing very hard for industry and academia uh, and others to collaborate on identifying and validating so-called biomarkers. In fact, uh, the foundation for the NIH has created a biomarker consortium of which promises a member as, as well as another 20 or so pharma companies in the field. So the idea behind the biomarker is, is it 
something that we can measure ideally in the blood, which is, you know, very easy to access and uh, not necessarily the cerebrospinal fluid, but is there something we can measure in the blood that's predictive of the death of neurons, it's predictive of the disease progressing, and if this biomarker level were to change based on your therapy, would that be indicative of slowing or stopping the disease? Um, so in, in the case of the decision that Roche made or any pharmaceutical company, we're always making what are called go, no-go decisions. Do you go to the next stage and invest hundreds of millions of dollars, or is it a no-go because there's data that say your program you know, is, has very little or no chance of success? Well, the earlier you can do that in drug development, the earlier you can do that reliably, say at the end of a phase one you know, uh, repeat dose study, after say maybe three years of work and 20 or $30 million, if you were able to predict or determine that your product has a good chance of success or no chance of success, you could make your go-no-go decision early on and be much more effective. So I think it's a topic we'll talk about in a lot more detail, but the use of biomarkers to make better decision-making is clearly on the horizon and very exciting. And having methods that allow us to selectively target these toxic oligomers are the second really powerful news on the horizon that really will make a difference for patients and the economy. Well, we'll definitely talk about biomarkers more uh, because that is a very exciting uh, part of this movement toward finding therapies. Because if we could, as you have said, find the leaky boats early, that would save a lot of time, investment, and disappointment for the Alzheimer's community. So please join us again for our next podcast. Uh, where We'll talk about biomarkers, and then we'll also talk about how the toxic oligomer is also implicated in a few other diseases, including Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time.